I wonder what we would pay for liberty or freedom. What would you pay? Well, we pay a whole lot now to keep the national freedom that we have. But I don't want to talk with you this morning about the liberty which our nation provides. I, I wish every man could enjoy the liberty we enjoy. We do enjoy a great deal of liberty in this land. That's a blessing of God. But a man can live in a free country like America and still be in bondage. And our Lord in this eighth chapter of John kept talking about being free indeed, indeed. He said in verse 32, we read it, here's what he said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And then he said in verse 36, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Free indeed. And these Jews to whom he was speaking answered him in verse 33. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed. We were never in bondage to any man. How do you say then you shall be made free? Well, we've always been free. We're not in bondage. You and I might speak the same way as they spoke. We were never in bondage to any man. We don't know anything about slavery, do we? Perhaps we are in bondage, though. Now, I'll try to enlighten you some this morning about different forms of bondage. It could be that we're in bondage to ourselves, and we don't even know that we have forged our own chains. We've chained ourselves. These men were in bondage and they didn't even know it. They said, we've never been in bondage to any man. What do you mean free? And we're not talking about the freedom of this body to go where it wants to and do what it wants to do. We pretty well do that, don't we? We're not talking about political freedom. We have certain repressions from our politicians, but we are free. And uh, we're not talking about social freedom. We go and do socially as we want to. And we decide where we go and when we go and what we do when we get there and when we're coming back. And that's social freedom. But what we're going to speak to you about this morning is so far above these things that it's amazing. We're talking about spiritual freedom. 
And it is possible for us to be like these Jews, to be free politically and to be free socially, but to be in bondage spiritually. And that is the greatest bondage. I want to give you a few illustrations of some forms of bondage. You see if perhaps you could be under one of these. And the first one is this. There is a bondage in ignorance. I think sometime most people are under the bondage of ignorance. Look at verse 19 in John 8. Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? And Jesus answered, You neither know me nor my father. You're ignorant. If you had known me, you should have known my father also. You're ignorant of my father and you're ignorant of me. You don't know him, you don't know me. You're in total ignorance as far as spiritual life goes. Ignorance blinds people. Ignorance enslaved these people to lies and sent them down a path of destruction. But our gospel is hid. But if our gospel be hid, who's it hid? It's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ should shine unto them. People are in total ignorance of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's hidden. This is a hidden truth. You can't understand it. You're ignorant about this until God comes and opens understanding. So ignorance is the bondage of ignorance. That's what the Lord Jesus said to these men. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And they said, we're not in bondage. And what he was talking about was the bondage of ignorance. They did not know God. That's ignorance. That's the greatest ignorance a person can labor under. Did not know God. Bondage of ignorance. Now then, there's another bondage and if you examine yourself closely now, you may fall into this bondage. There's the bondage of tradition. Tradition. Verse 3 in our text. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. 
But what sayest thou? They brought this woman, sit her down, and they encircled her, and they said this woman was caught in this great sin, and Moses said she should be stoned to death. And that's what we're about to do. Tradition. Their tradition had bound them so tightly that it had emptied them of compassion. Now watch this. You can't be free if you've been emptied of compassion by your tradition and the way things have always been done. Their religious tradition had wrapped them so tightly and enslaved them that it had filled them with what? Self-righteousness. And made them judges of others. The greatest bondage of churches today is this thing called tradition. We've always done things this way. It had made their tradition of more importance than the individual. We're going to kill this woman, stone her to death, because that's the tradition that Moses handed down to us. Their Sabbath day was more important than a man being healed. You remember that? Man on a bed, and the Lord said, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And they were astonished that he would heal a man on the Sabbath day. That's just not done. That's not according to our tradition. Or he fed people on the Sabbath. His disciples went out and plucked corn and ate. And those Pharisees said, look at your disciples. They're not supposed to do that on the Sabbath day. Well, they were hungry. Their law was more important than the individual and the compassion they ought to have had was missing. Watch this. They were enslaved by tradition. A man can be free in body. Go where you want to. Do what you want to do. He can be free politically. I'll vote for whoever I want to. He can be free socially and yet be enslaved by the ignorance of religious tradition. Don't ever fall into that ignorance. And then something akin to that is the bondage of religious creeds. Look at verse 33. They answered him, We are Abraham's seed. We're never in bondage to any man. Verse 37. The Lord said, I know you're Abraham's seed. We're the seed of Abraham. I know you're Abraham's seed. And they had their creeds and their orthodoxy and their doctrinal position all established. And he said, 
You seek to kill me because, now look at it, my word hath no place in you. Now we've got it all worked out here and what you said doesn't fit in with what we've always heard. My word hath no place in you. They rejected his word. They had preconceived notions. Whatever you do, get rid of your preconceived notions. And if you hear something this morning from this word that's opposed to your preconceived ideas about things, then get rid of your preconceived notions. Don't get rid of the word of God. You and I might fall into the same thing. Most of religion today is in the same thing. Religious creeds. I don't want to be so much of a Baptist that I can't read a portion of God's Word and receive it with joy. I don't want to be so much of what we call a Calvinist that I can't read the scriptures dealing with responsibility and not rejoice therein. A lot of folks are like that. The Lord said in John 6:37, All that my Father giveth me shall come to me. And boy, people preach on that. Yes, they shall come. It's sure. But he went on to say, And he that what? Cometh to me. I shall in no wise cast out. So we have responsibility there that I, I accept. He that cometh. You see, my friends, you'll never be saved till you come to him. You're coming, but you're never going to be saved till you come. All that my Father giveth me shall come, and he that cometh. You see the two truths there. And most of of the so-called Calvinists this day refuse the last part of that. Yes, you come. And they spend their time saying, well, you can't, you can't. Yes, you can. Come on. Come on. Come on to the Lord Jesus Christ. Charles Spurgeon said, he who tries to be consistent with himself will find in the end that he has been consistent with a fool. Don't try to be consistent with what you, how you think things ought to be. Hear what God says. Beware of the slavery. You want to be free? Then don't be bound as a Baptist. I'm a Baptist. This is a Baptist church, but I am bound by the word of God, not the word Baptist. You understand? Be open to the word of God. Don't close your mind. Don't close your heart against truth because you've always heard this or heard that. Don't get trapped in a system of thinking. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Not what you think the truth is, but what it is. The truth shall make you free.
Then there's another bondage. We all fall under this one. There's the bondage of prejudice. You're all prejudiced. I am too. And that's a bondage. The bondage of prejudice. Verse 15 in our text. John 8, 15. The Lord Jesus said to these people, You judge after the flesh. <laughs> I judge no man. You're judging after the flesh. You're prejudiced. You look on a matter and judge it according to the flesh. Are you in this bondage? Do you glory in appearance and judge after the flesh? Well, sure you do. But let me warn you about this. We have to judge by appearances, by flesh, by what we can see and hear and so forth. Because we can't look on the heart. The Lord looks on the heart. First Samuel 16, verse 7. You don't have to turn there. It just simply says that you, you look on the outward appearance. That's all you can look on. But where does the Lord look? He looks on the heart. We judge motives. You're prejudiced. You judge motives. And only God can judge motives. But we go about doing that, don't we? The bondage of prejudice. You judge a man a great deal by the color of his skin. Don't tell me you don't. I'm ashamed every time I think about that. I pulled my car around this corner and drove up back there and there was a pickup parked in my driveway. Well, I couldn't get in the driveway, so I sat down on the horn. Now, there were a group of boys out here playing basketball back on the court. And I noticed that among those boys, there were several black boys. You know what my first thought was? Boy, there's trouble. And immediately I was ashamed ashamed prejudice we judge people by the color of his skin by how he dresses we judge people by outward appearance that's bondage I'm in bondage to that to a great deal and immediately I was ashamed and I was I went over there and we just, those boys, great big old boy, bigger than me. And uh, I talked to them. 
ask them what they thought about the rockets. And boy, we got into a conversation. And one of them was about, about like that. And I said, boy, you're going to be as big as a Hakeem one of these days. He said, I sure hope so. And we had the best time. Nice. But immediately I said, oh, there's trouble. What is that? It's prejudice. And you're guilty of it. That's a bondage. We judge people by their outward appearance. That's wrong. That's sin. To do that. If the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, is liberty. Oh, to be free from the bondage of prejudice. Are we in bondage or has the Son really made us free? Well, you know, to a certain extent, and yet we revert back into these things. Are we in bondage? Well, let's look at three things. I want you to remember these three things now. Number one. In Christ, there is true liberty from the bondage of sin. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 verse 1. I'm saying in Christ there is true liberty from the bondage of sin. Look at Romans 8 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. This is the first liberty of the believer. No condemnation. Now let that grab your heart. No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And yet, you are still in bondage. Oh, there are multitudes of professing Christians who constantly carry about with them what? Guilt. Depression. Fear. Is that consistent with true freedom? Are we free indeed? Our Lord said in Isaiah th chapter 38, He said, I have cast your sins behind my back and will remember them no more. And he said, I have separated your sins from me as far as the east and the, is from the west in Psalm 103. They're gone it's that far. And he said in Micah chapter 7, I have cast thy sins into the depth of the sea. Down to the bottom, they are covered, they are gone. And yet I'm still depressed. 
aren't you? Oh, my, depressed. Still feel guilty. You still feel guilty. They're in the bottom of the sea. They're as far as the east end is from the west. I've cast them behind my back. I'll never look at them again. And yet we still feel depression. We still feel guilt. And if we go about under fear and guilt and depression and are constantly troubled over sin, I'm not free. Because in Christ we are free from the bondage of sin. Romans chapter 8 verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also make intercession for us. Who's going to lay anything to your charge except you? <laughs> you still laying things to your charge. But who's going to lay anything to your charge? It is God that justifies. Are you justified? I am totally, completely justified. I am totally free from the guilt of sin. Well, then why are you moping around and depressed and feel a load of guilt of sin? Why are you like that? Could it be you're not in Christ Jesus? Could that be the reason? I don't know, but I know this. I'm this way a great deal of the time. I still, oh my goodness, look at me. Put it away. Put it away. I have nothing about which to be depressed. I have nothing to trouble about. I have nothing to fear because of the penalty of sin. It has been removed. No penalty. There's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Charles Spurgeon asked the question, is a believer no longer a sinner in God's sight? And he said, in the person of Christ, the believer is no more a sinner in God's sight than the angel Gabriel. You are not a sinner in God's sight. It has been put away. The penalty is gone. The penalty of sin shall never fall upon you. In Christ's blood we are whiter than snow. And yet a great deal of the time I fear we are in bondage and depression. Our very guilt is taken away. I stood as a guilty rebel before God and Christ came and said to me, I'll take your place. I'll bear your guilt. I'll suffer for it. I will die for your guilt. And he gave me his royal robe of righteousness 
and he takes my place and he gives me his place and in him I stand free from every sin. There is not and can never be one charge made against me. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elected? God justified you. You're just as if you had never sinned before God. Then quit bearing about that guilt all the time. Put it away. That's a, that's a bondage. A bondage, and that's what our Lord was saying to these Jews. They ran around saying we're free, and he said you're not free. If you knew the truth, you would be free. If the Son ever sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. The bird's out of the cage. You're free. You've been set free. You're redeemed. One preacher walking down the street and he saw a little boy and in the little boy's hand was a bird cage, had two old field sparrows in that cage. And the preacher said, Son, what are you going to do with those birds? Well, I'll probably feed them to my cat. The preacher said, I'll give you two dollars for them. And the boy said, These old birds are not worth anything. He said, well, I'll give you $2 for them. Well, okay, it's your, it's your bad business deal. So he gave him bird, gave him $2. And as soon as the boy went away, he opened the cage door. And those little sparrows flew out there, and whew, there they went. And this preacher said he could almost hear them singing as they flew away, redeemed, redeemed. Set free, I'm not a captive anymore. You understand that? No captivity. Free, we're flying like birds in the grace of God. Sing redeemed as you fly along. And don't be depressed and don't be down. The bird's out of the cage. There's no reason for me to bear about the guilt for which my Lord died and I refuse to do so. Romans 6.14 We're free from the penalty and guilt and not only that, we're free from sin's power. Romans 6.14 For sin shall not have dominion over you for you're not under the law but under grace sin shall not have dominion over you now lost person if you're here without Christ without a vital saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ you're under the reigning power of an evil nature the lost person delights in that. His happiness is in the flesh. A believer recognizes a nature of flesh in him, but he sure doesn't delight in it. It's a grief. 
Sin remains in the believer, but it is not his rule of life. Sin shall not have dominion over you. And here's the difference. The unbeliever treats righteousness as a visitor, while the believer treats sin as a visitor. And he will not be dominated by this unwelcome guest. I'm a child of God. I'm in Christ Jesus. I'm an heir of glory. I rejoice in Christ. Therefore, sin is not my delight. Someone said to a preacher, Why, you believe a Christian can live just like he wants to. And that preacher said, Well said, no, I don't. I wish I could live just like I want to. I want to be just like Christ. That's my desire. Isn't that your desire to be just like him? Sin is unwelcome. It comes, but it's unwelcome. And it does not have power. And so the Lord Jesus Christ sets free, sets us free from the penalty and power of sin. And then there's something else he sets us free from. In Christ there's true liberty from the bondage of fear. You afraid? The bondage of fear. Romans 8, 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, Father, Father. You have fears? Why, of course you do. Some people are honest because what? Because they fear the policeman. Some people are religious because, why? They fear hell. One man said this. He said, I went to church because I feared not to. I prayed because I feared if I did not, I'd suffer some misfortune. And he said, if I thank God for a blessing, it was because I was afraid if I didn't, I wouldn't get another blessing. And I did good works because I feared if I didn't, I would miss something when I got to heaven. And he said, one day I suddenly woke up and realized that everything I did was motivated by one thing, that was fear. Fear. This verse says our motivation is not fear. You've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. We serve God and we do these things out of a glad heart toward God. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I was glad on this Sunday morning when it was time to 
go and worship God. There was a gladness ringing in my heart. I didn't go because of fear. Because if, I, if I'm not in church, something bad will happen to me. Oh, no, I went because I was glad. When they said, let's go, I was ready to go. I don't want anybody in here to ever quit church, no matter what anyone thinks about you. That happens pretty regular. Even if you fall into great sin, come to church because there are only sinners here. <laughs> I'll tell you something you wouldn't believe. You're not going to believe this. There was a group of young people back there the other day and there was a young lady with them. She had a little boy. And I got to talking with her. And I found out that she was going to marry one of the young men that I've known for a long time. She already had a little boy. She'd never been married. And she sat down back there and Shirley came and we talked with her. And in the course of the conversation, we said, you and, you and Jimmy ought to come on church now. Now, not after you get married, but now. Y'all come on. And she said, you'd let us come? I said, well, I guess so. <laughs> and she said, that little boy there is mine, and I wasn't married when I had him. And she said, I went to several churches in the community where I live. And she said, every one of them, the pastor would talk with me and find out that little boy was born and I wasn't married and he'd look me in the eye and say, that's sin. Sin. And some of them said to her, why don't you go somewhere else to church? You don't believe that, do you? That's exactly what she told us. You know what they were saying? They were saying to her, now you're a sinner and we're not, so you go find some sinners. That's the attitude. And I said, honey, if you want to come to church over here, when you walk in, you look around at all the people and you say, well, there's an old bunch of sinners there. And you sit down there with them and you feel perfectly free and at home to sit in that church service. And she said, well, I'll probably do that. I hope so. I hope she does. But I'm telling you the truth now. That's what she told us. They said, well, no, you can't come here. That's your, your sinner. Boy. Boy, that's a bondage, isn't it? Self-righteous bondage. The love of Christ constraineth us. No matter what you do, you come on to church. 
In Christ there's freedom from fear. Fear doesn't motivate you. You're free from it. All right now, Christ not only frees from sin, the bondage of sin and the bondage of fear, but he frees us from that great bondage. And you're under it this morning, brother and sister, the bondage of death. Don't tell me you're not afraid to die. Ah, no better than that. Look at Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews 2, verse 15. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Fear of death. That, that thing that we know is coming. Fear. Oh, I'm afraid. Don't let me die. I'm afraid to die. Man went to his execution, I understand, the other, just the other day. Said he was screaming and kicking and clawing all the way, saying, Don't kill me, don't kill me. Fear of death. Christ Jesus delivered us from the bondage of the fear of death. That grim reaper, he's coming. Oh, he's coming. Well, that's way down yonder. Oh, but he's coming. And down inside here, there is that fear of death. And I'm not saying that even someone that knows the Lord Jesus gets entirely free of that. I'm not saying that. We still have enough flesh in us to fear death. Men tremble at any thought of the mention of death. There was one king of a country that said if, any, if he ever heard anyone mention the word death in his presence, he'd cut their head off right there. Don't ever mention it. We like to put it away. Oh, if I could put it away, but you can't put it away. You young people are going to die. That's right. Oh, you say, not me. Yes, sir. You're 12, 13, 14, 15 years. You're going to die. Death. Christ gives us freedom from the bondage of death. What is death? Well, the Word of God calls it sleep. 1 Corinthians 15, 18. Those who sleep in Jesus. That's talking about believers. They sleep in Jesus. You and I go to sleep every night. If death is sleep, then we die every night. The passing of the believer will be something like sleep. We go to sleep. Those that sleep, there's no fear of death. They sleep. 
in the Lord Jesus. He delivered them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. If I can put that thing away, I'll be all right, but I can't put it away. There's only one that can put it away, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking to you about reality now. I'm not talking about the good time you may be having in this world. I'm telling you that death is a coming. Coming. But you don't have to be afraid of it. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll close our eyes on this earth and we'll open our eyes in the presence of the Lord.